0: Well, good morning, everybody. I'm so uh, excited about the message that I'm about to share with you today. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask that you open them up and turn to the very first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 5 the Genesis chapter 5, beginning in verse 21. Uh, and as you turn to that, that section of the Scripture, let me just say, this is the, uh, the final message of the surprise series. And I've loved this series simply because it brings to mind all the times that God surprises us when we least expect Him to surprise us. We've looked at five women, and now the fourth man we'll look at today. Out of these nine individuals, God came through over and over and over to surprise them by His power, surprising them as to how He shows up and what He does when He shows up. But here's the bottom line. God wants to show up in your life. God wants to surprise you with His goodness, with His power, with His ability to rescue. That's just what He does. And so I've loved the surprise series, and today will be a great and fitting Climax to this entire series. Let me just say also, we've already heard this a couple of times, but next week is a very, very important week. How many of you know who David Platt is? Would you raise your hand if you've heard of David Platt? A lot of you in this room have. David's probably one of the most uh, engaging, dynamic young preachers in the world today. And uh, we have the privilege of having him for both services next Sunday morning, 8.30 in here and 11 o'clock in here. I really encourage you to be here at 11 o'clock as, uh, as he brings the word. And we're going to be excited to also be involved in that Go Weekend. Why would we not, when, when pastors from around the country are gathering together, why would we not gather together on a Saturday and go into our community and reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Everything points to the power and the provision of that Others are going to join us, and I hope that you won't miss it on Saturday and then, of course, on Sunday morning, 8.30 and 11 o'clock with David Platt. If you have your Bibles and you're ready to get into the Word, say amen. amen. All right, let's stand together as we read God's Word, beginning in Genesis chapter 5, verse 21. Very, very unusual name an unusual man, an unusual life. And the Bible says about this man in Genesis chapter 5 in a In a chapter of genealogies where we learn of the seven generations from Adam all the way to verse 21 where Enoch is. It says this about this man, Enoch. Enoch lived 65 years and became the father of Methuselah. Now, Methuselah is known as the one who was born. And at his death, the the judgment of the Lord came. The flood came. Noah and the ark, that story. You've heard that a few weeks ago. So the Bible says that Enoch was the father of Methuselah. Verse 22. Then Enoch walked with God 300 years after he became the father of Methuselah. And he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. Look at that line again. Think about that line for just a moment. Enoch walked with God. He walked with him. And then it says, he was not, for God took him. But wouldn't that be a life? Wouldn't that be amazing to be characterized like that? Here's a man that walked with God, and then one day he wasn't there anymore because God took him home with him. What a statement. What is in that statement? What does that statement mean? Let's bow together in prayer. Father, in Jesus' name today, speak to us about the power of the life of Enoch. Speak to us about the surprising walk with you, that you've given us the privilege of having, that you gave this man the opportunity to have. Help us learn from his life and from his walk, and then, Father, inspire us to walk with you in the same way. We ask this in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. Amen. Please be seated if you would. I'm excited about this message because this message talks about the most important thing you can have in your walk, in your life. More important than anything that deals with religion, more important than any possession that you can have, bigger than any purpose statement or mission statement, there's this thing that's called a walk with God. As a matter of fact, our priority here at our church here at First Judah is to build a strong relationship with God and others. That's the R in the real, to relate well to God, to relate well with others. And and all of us probably know this, we don't relate well with other people unless we relate well with God first. And so this relationship with God is incredibly important. And the surprising part of this relationship in the life of Enoch is the centrality of his walk with God. That that is what characterizes his whole life life. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. We're going to focus on that today. Over this last weekend, I picked the wrong weekend to do this, I know. I know I picked the wrong weekend, but uh, we chose a weekend where I had some time where my wife and I had been talking about taking some stones and bringing stones in and laying out a, a stone pathway where there was at one point some grass. Uh, out of our backyard, the trees have grown and formed a canopy, and so no sunlight gets through, the grass that's not growing. And, of course, that drives me crazy because I like green grass everywhere in the backyard, and I like to make it sure it's well manicured and, and it's growing strong. There's no grass there. A path about four feet wide, about like this stage, and about 20 or 25 feet long. So naturally, I choose the hottest weekend of the year to go get all the stone and put it in the back of the truck. And, and as I get to this place where you buy the stone, I'm thinking, I need 1, 1,200 pounds of stone. I'm just guessing that. And so I began unloading. And it's one really, really large piece. I backed the truck up, and I managed to get this piece. It was about this big around. I mean, it's a huge piece of stone. And I managed to get it from the top of the pile onto my truck. Now, the main reason I Pick that stone It's because it was on top of the pile and it has to be removed anyway to get the rest of the stone. So, I thought, I'll just get that one and i just move it about three feet, put it on my truck, okay? So, I load the rest of the stone up. I learned later it's a 300-pound stone, okay? I get 1,000, 1,200 pounds of stone. This piece is about 300. So, it's a, a third or a fourth of the entire load to get all this walkway. I back it up to the fence where I'm going to unload it all. And I realized that there's a much greater distance that I have to move at this time, right? And so I managed to get it off the truck. And at that point, I realized I'm gonna have to turn. I'm gonna walk with this stone, kind of like this. It's on my knees, and I've got it like this. I've gotta go up a step, I gotta go cross a gap. I've gotta go down a step and, and place this stone somewhere in this pathway. And so nobody's watching me. Thank the Lord, nobody's watching me. Because I look like I'm struggling with this stone, right? And so I finally get to the place. I'm, it's very embarrassing, very awkward. I'm just barely hanging on to the stone. I'm thinking I'm going to drop it in any place and, and break it. But finally, I get to the middle. I drop it right there. And it's right in the middle of everything. And I think, that stone will not move as long as I'm alive. It's right there for good. <laughs> it will never again move. And all these other stones, they're just going to have to fit around that stone because that stone is my cornerstone. I accomplished it. I didn't break a leg. I didn't drop it on my foot. Don't have any broken fingers. I didn't ruin the truck. It's right there, and it's there forever. That stone is the cornerstone. The topic of my message today is really the cornerstone for your life. Every other stone can be placed in every other place around you, but that stone that's so important in your life is the stone of your walk with Christ. Everything else can fit around it. My father used to tell me the most important verse in the Bible for me as a young man was Matthew chapter six, verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. And he used to say, son, if you just walk with God, everything else will fall into place. It may not be easy. It may not be smooth. You may not see how all the other pieces fit. but trust me, if you'll get that one right, everything else will be fine. Enoch walked with God. And we, think, we see about 365 years of his life and all the things that could have been involved in his life that we don't know about. But he walked with God. And in the end, it became the dominant thing he lived for and the very reason God took him in a very unique, very special way. Enoch walked with God. Today, I want you to look at that and think about your life. What does a walk with God look like? It's a surprising relationship. It's a surprising relationship. God wants a relationship with you that's so personal, so intimate. That's a shock to us. But the God of the universe, the God who is the creator of all, the one who knows all on the planet Earth, seven billion right now at last count, on the face of the Earth, and who knows how many billions in a lie from the moment of creation onward. And God, that God, that huge God, that amazing, powerful God, wants an intimate, personal interaction, relationship, With you personally, you can walk with God. And it's not just a walk in a religious sense. It's not just a walk in a I know who God is kind of sense. But it's a walk in the sense of a personal walk where you can know him and hear him and know what he wants of your life. The life of Enoch tells us in verse 22, Enoch walked with God 300 years after he became the father of Methuselah. You know, it's always helpful to ask questions of a text when you read it in the Bible Why does it say what it says? Why is it in this order or that order? A good student of the Bible always asks questions. You need to be inquisitive about the Word of God. You need to ask questions as to why God words something in a certain way because when you do that, you learn the full picture of what the text says. And the Bible tells us something about when this walk began. The Bible says, in the life of this man named Enoch, That he began this walk after he became the father of Methuselah. That's in verse 22. That he lived 60 years and then, or 65 years, and then he became the father of Methuselah. And after that, the Bible says that he began to walk with God. Now, I have to ask the question, why is this pointed out? That this walk with God took place after he had his son. And I don't know the answers to that because the Bible doesn't give all those answers, but I know that... I know once we began to realize the importance of our life and the importance of the next generation, once we began to see God speak to us and we see some of his miracles, like the miracle of birth, for example, when he saw his firstborn son, we began to realize something's more important in this world than what we all have around us that we can touch or that we live in or that we drive. And we began to ask questions of God. One of my favorite things to do in the morning lately is uh, to get up. Uh, and I get up very early in the morning, and, and uh, I know there are a lot of people that get up and run early in the morning. I've learned that that's not my spiritual gift. Running early in the morning is not my spiritual gift. And I believe in operating in our giftedness, and so I'm not going to be doing that, but I am spending time with God. I'm not trying to sound more spiritual than those that run in the morning, don't get me wrong. But the re- reality is that's what I do. I spend some time with God, and, and early in the morning lately, I've been sitting out in our front driveway. I have a pickup truck, and I open up the tailgate, and I sit on the tailgate and I spend some time with God with a cup of coffee in my hand and watch the sun come up in the east. I guess that's the Baptist preacher version of tailgating, right? (laughs) And I know there are people that are walking in the neighborhood, and they're saying, what's that guy sitting on his tailgate for? And I'm really feeling the cool breeze in the morning, which is still cool, believe it or not, and I'm watching the sun come up, and I'm watching the clouds Well, the lower altitude move quickly. I'm watching the clouds And the upper altitude stay firm. And I'm just watching that sun come up. And I'm thinking about the amazing, amazing God that we serve. I have to look beyond the houses. I have to look beyond the cars. I have to look beyond possessions and people and all the things that man has created. I have to look up and I have to look out. But when I look up and when I look out and I see the goodness of God and the awesomeness of God and the creator power of God, I have a hunger to know that God. And I believe that every single one of us has that hunger in our heart. And when we see the power of God and the miracle of God, maybe for Enoch it was the birth of his son Methuselah. Maybe it was because God gave him insight about naming his son Methuselah. But as he began to see the power and the awesomeness of God, the hand of God, he began to desire a walk with God. And what's surprising about this is that God gave him that walk. God gave him that walk. Doesn't the Bible say all the way through that you will find me when you seek me with all your heart? When it began, when he had Methuselah. How long did it last? The Bible says in verse 22, for 300 years. For 300 years, this man walked with God and the Bible goes further and says he had other sons and daughters. This man had a busy life for 300 years. For 300 years, he raised his family. He did what he had to do to provide for his family. He did whatever work he did. But what we need to see today is that he walked with God. He was not a monk on a mountain. He was a man who had everyday pressures, everyday things that he had to do, everyday people he had to look after. But he had to find that this big stone in his pathway was the priority. He walked with God, and that was his priority in life. I know sometimes we have so many things going on with work and the ability to travel, the ability to do things. We are inundated with information from social media, from television, from all forms of media and sound. We're overwhelmed by all that, and we feel like we don't have time for anything else. And I want to tell you today, you need to find time for the big rock of the walk with God. Methuselah was a busy man, but for 300 years he consistently walked, with God. He managed to not leave God out. He managed to not shut God out. He managed to listen to God and walk with God. And what was it like? Well, the phrase itself gives us some insight. Enoch walked with God. Now, you need to know when you study the life of Enoch that he's also mentioned in the New Testament in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews chapter 11. He's also mentioned in the book of Jude, chapter, the only chapter, verse 14, where it's spoken of as a prophet. He prophesied, he told of the evil that was coming on his day. He walked with God, and in Hebrews chapter 11, in the hall of faith, the Holy Spirit uses the name Enoch as an example of how to walk by faith. So let's look at some words that characterize what it means to walk with God. The first word is the word faith. Enoch's walk with God is a walk of faith. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5, it says, By faith, Enoch was taken up, referring to how he ended his life here on earth. He did not die, but he was taken up to be with God. But the Bible says, by faith. So in some sense of the word, Enoch had to respond to an invitation from God. The word faith always means a firm conviction based on the fact of God's presence and God's influence. In fact, if you were to turn to Hebrews 11, you would see lots of insight about this faith walk. I want you to know what it means to walk by faith. Hebrews 11 tells us how to walk by faith and gives us examples of the Old Testament generation who walk with God by faith. As a matter of fact, the Old Testament can never be unhitched from the New Testament because the Old Testament figures are examples of the New Testament teaching. There are always going to be examples from us. Look in Hebrews 11, verse 1. Faith is described as this, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. So faith isn't something I see. Faith is a conviction in my heart, the ability and willingness to know something that is even though it's not seen. It goes on in verse 2 and says, for by it the men of old, referring to Enoch and others, gained approval. In other words, this is how you find yourself pleasing in front of God is to believe him even though you can't see him. Look in verse 6. After verse 5 speaks of Enoch, verse 6 says this, and without faith it is impossible to please him for he who comes to God must believe that he is, that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. One of the greatest verses in the Bible. So my walk with God must be faith walk, a faith walk, not, not a walk in which I'm looking for signs or looking for God to show himself visibly or personally or physically, but it's a faith walk where I believe God is because of his presence, his influence, and it's not what I see, but it's what I hear and the conviction in my heart with a clear conscience along with the external affirmation of others. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Everything God calls us to do, every way that God walks with us doesn't involve what we see, but it does involve what we hear. So let me ask you today, are you hearing the word of God? Are you listening to God? A walk involves a conversation. A walk involves talking to God and listening to God. And so Enoch's walk was, first of all, by faith. Over the last few weeks, I've been looking at these Old Testament characters. Some of them were characterized, like Enoch, to have walked with God. Noah was one that walked with God. In Exodus chapter 33, there's a man named Moses. And the Bible says about Moses that God talked to Moses the way a man would talk to his friend. That's in Exodus chapter 33, verse 11. Let me read it to you. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face. Just as a man speaks to his friend, and yet we know that God has said to Moses, no man will see my face and live. But, But he spoke to Moses, and Moses responded to God. And since it's by faith, and since it's not something we've earned, it's purely by the grace of God, there's no pride in this walk. Moses, the Bible says, was the most humble man in all the earth. And yet he walked with God. You know, we're such big name droppers that if we know somebody famous, we want to tell everybody about it. We want to take a selfie shot of that. And we want to put it on a screen somewhere. We want to live for the audience of everybody else. But Moses didn't live for the audience of everybody else. Enoch didn't live for the audience of anybody else. They lived for the presence of God. Moses, the most humble man in all the earth, talked with God and God talked with him as a man would talk to his friend. Wow, can you imagine that? And Enoch walked with God so much that they came to a place of great intimacy where he was not, for God took him. Let me just say a couple of things about that that we need to be mindful of. Proud people don't walk with God. If you're proud, you're not a person that walks with God. Can you imagine being wise in your own eyes and walk with the all-wise, all-knowing God of creation, those don't go together. The Bible says God is opposed to the proud and gives grace to the humble. Humble people don't walk with God. Humble people talk about God. They may talk about what they know about God, but they don't walk with God. Humble people, on the other hand, listen to God. Humble people look for God to express Himself to them. They do more listening than they do talking. Let me just say today that what I'm talking to you about is not just an Old Testament principle. It's not just a principle or a practice bestowed on Old Testament saints like Enoch or Noah or Moses. The Bible tells us we can talk to God today and that God can speak with us and does speak with us on a regular basis. You agree with that this morning? I'm a firm believer that God is really good at communicating and we're just not really good at listening. I'm a firm believer that we don't open the book enough to listen to God. The Bible that you have in your hands, by the way, if you have a Bible, no matter what form it's in, whether it's leather-bound or it's a digital version of the Bible, would you hold that up for just a moment? Just hold it up, not for everybody else to see, but for you to recognize this thing right here, this is how you walk with God, this is how you hear from God, this is how God talks to you, this is how God directs you and guides you, this is how you talk to God and ask Him questions and He responds. As a matter of fact, the ability to walk with God is made much easier today because we have the full revelation of God's Word right here. He'll tell you everything you need to know about yourself, everything you need to know about this world, everything you must know about the future or the past. It's all right here in God's Word. He speaks to us through His Word. Oh, I like the fact that Moses talked to God like, And God talked to Moses like a man would talk to his friend. But man, I tell you, I've got got this book and no matter what time I open it up in the morning or at night or at noonday when I'm troubled or where I'm high, spiritually, wherever I'm at, God speaks to me from his word and he talks to me. So first of all, it's a faith walk. Secondly, it involves alignment. Alignment. Can you imagine walking with someone and not being aligned, not going in the same direction? direction. Here's something I've learned in life. I've learned that if you get just one degree off course with someone else, it's not long before you're far, far, far from where they are. This past week, I was reminded of a tragedy that happened back in 1983. Korean Airlines, KAL flight 007, bound from Anchorage, Alaska to Seoul, Korea, got off track. The article that I read recently said that probably they got off track before they ever took off because in the programming of the black box, they also programmed the flight coordinates and that possibly one digit, one digit was missed in the punching in of the coordinates, whereas it was supposed to be 139 degrees. Instead, it was punched in 149 degrees. And as they began to take off and move towards South Korea, it was one degree off course at start. But several hundred miles into the trip, unbeknownst to anyone else, they were hundreds, even thousands of miles off of course. And they wandered into Soviet airspace. By the time the sun came up, before it was very, very clear, a Russian fighter jet saw this plane, a commercial airliner, supposedly headed to South Korea, over Soviet airspace. Could not identify its numbers, supposedly shot it down. And for nine minutes, that plane went burning down into the ocean, killing all 269 people because it was one degree off course. I could spend a lot of time talking about how far you can get from God by being one step out of sync with him. But the truth is, we must stay in alignment with Almighty God. The closer you are in alignment to him, the better you hear his voice. The closer you are in alignment to him, the greater the way he works in you and about you and through you and for you on your behalf. The alignment is important. Aligning with God and walking with God is not doing it your way. It's doing it his way. Walking with God doesn't mean saying, God, I'm choosing this lifestyle, so I'm gonna bring you along and what little relationship I have with you, I'm gonna kind of milk it for all it's worth so I can get some kind of approval for what I wanna do. That's not what walking with God is. Walking with God is aligning with God in his ways. A sovereign God, active in our lives, doesn't adjust his holy ways to our unholy ways, but it's the other way around. He's interested in intimacy, he initiates it by inviting us to walk with Him, and for us it means obedience. I know I can walk with God closely when I walk in obedience. One of the most disturbing things for me today is what I see happening all around us, all over the world probably, but certainly in America, where those who name the name of Christ also proudly flaunt lifestyles that are not biblical and not Christ-like. They've chosen to walk in certain ways in terms of sexual desire or sexual identity. They've, certain, they've chosen to live in such a way when it comes to how they behave towards their fellow man. They choose to live their leisure time the way they want to live their leisure time, and then they come back and say, but I'm so close to God. But see, the reality of being able to see how close we are to God is also to be able to see how closely aligned we are with God. If I exhibit the fruit of the Spirit of God, if I exhibit holiness, the way God has defined holiness, that's an indicator that I can walk close to God. So a walk with God means alignment. Noah, of whom this is also is written, built an ark out of obedience and faith. In spite of the fact that he didn't know what the ark was for, in spite of the fact that it never rained before. So for 120 years, this guy hunted down gopher wood, cut down the trees, built the ark, figured out how God was going to bring all the animals in for 120 years doing things that did not come naturally to him because he walked in obedience with God. And the Bible tells us that God favored Noah in a huge way, that he walked with God. You see, today we need to remember that God tells us everything we need to know to walk closely with him. Jesus said this in John chapter 10, verse 4, where he says, when he puts forth all his own, the shepherd does, he goes ahead of them. And I love this last line in John chapter 10, verse 4. And the sheep follow him because they know his voice. And they don't follow the voice of any other other one calling out to them because they know the voice of the shepherd and they don't know any other's voices. Let me just tell you today that the good shepherd is still out there. He's still leading. He's still speaking. He speaks to his word. He speaks to the power of the spirit and he calls you to alignment. He says, follow me. And as you follow him, you stay in alignment with him. Think about this for for a moment. To walk with God is not to walk ahead of God. It's not to walk without God or away from God, but it's together in sync with God. And I want to ask you today, are you walking ahead of God? Are you moving beyond what God has called you to do or say or be? Are you moving ahead of God? Because if you move ahead of God, you're no longer walking with Him. Are you walking without God? Have you closed your eyes to what God is saying and closed your ears to what He's calling you to do? Because if you're walking without God, you're in danger today. Are you walking in sync with Him? Are you walking with God? Some of you today are probably walking away from God. You know what God has called you to, and it's just too difficult for you to grasp. And so you've turned your back on the God that caused you, and you're walking away from God. But the Bible says that Enoch walked with God, and that's what we're called to do, walk with God. What kind of adjustments need to be made in your life so that you can walk with him and not ahead of him? With him and not without him. What kind of adjustments do you need to make today to walk with him and not away from him? walk with God. You've got to adjust because God has the way he wants you to walk in. And he says, this is the way, walk in it. He's calling us to this amazing walk. The third word is the word transformation. Transformation. You see, you can't walk with God without being changed. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5, describing this faith walk that Enoch had, it says, for he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. Others saw the difference this walk made and they said this about him. God says this about him. I can imagine that those in that day that knew Enoch probably said something like this, say what you want about this man, but he walks with God. He's pleasing to God. And I want to tell you today that we cannot walk with God without God transforming us. He's always at work changing us more and more into his image. That's a pretty powerful principle for us today. I heard this said a few years ago, and I think it's true. It, It always has served to encourage me and sometimes rebuke me. Maybe you've heard it too. If you walk one day without being in the Word of God and without spending time with God, you know it. If you walk two days without spending time and without walking with God, your family knows it. But if you spend three days apart from God's Word and apart from time with Him, everybody knows it. And the reason that is is because when we're with Christ, when we're with God, He's always transforming us from the inside out. It's really a pretty powerful thing. He matures us. Your doctrine, your belief system will not be what it was 20 or 30 years ago if you're walking with God during that period of time. Your perspective is gonna be different if you keep walking with God. Your purpose in life is going to be different if you keep walking with God. Your patience is going to be greater if you keep walking with God. Your sense of priorities will change over time walking with God. There are things that used to be so important to me that are not important to me now because walking with God shows me what the real priorities are in life. Everything has to fit around the big rock. Everything has to fall under seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Walk with God. Keep walking with God. Don't give up on your walk with God. He's not giving up with you. And then there's a surprising conclusion. Enoch walked with God and Enoch was not, for God took him. Now, this is not God took him in a tragic way. This is not that God zapped him with lightning. It doesn't mean that Enoch walked to a place where God opened up the earth and he fell on the earth. It's not a bad thing. This is a good thing. Enoch walked with God, and he was not. That is, nobody could find him. And the reason nobody could find him is because he wasn't there anymore. God took him up. Somebody say amen. Amen. You know, there are days when I wish God would do that for me, right? There are days when it'd be easier if God would just take us. But God took Enoch because of the intimacy of the walk that he had with him. Now, this stands out because if you read Genesis 5, generation after generation lived and died, they lived and died. They were born and they died. And then this man Enoch was born, he lived, and then he was not, he didn't die. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 11, it says, without tasting death, God took him up. What a huge idea. So this idea being taken up, being translated, being placed, I like the word transferred. He was transferred from earth to heaven. He was transferred from a populace of humans to the very presence of God. And I love that idea. We find that in the idea in the life of Elijah as well. Elijah was taken up in a whirlwind into heaven. One of those in the Old Testament that never died. And so here's Enoch, another one who never died. And the idea is that God brought him to himself without death. and In the case of Enoch, without fanfare, without notice, this intimacy and this closeness, brought about a walk in which God says, come home with me. Years ago, I heard someone say it like this, that it must have been that God and Enoch, after walking with each other for 300 years, God must have said, Enoch, you're closer to my place than yours today. Why don't you just come home with me? I love that line. You know, a long time ago, when I was dating my wife before we got married, We were in college and this is back in the late 70s. And um, I used to take her to the dorm after we'd been together eating out or whatever we were doing, studying, which usually amounted to her studying for her test in the library and me studying her as she studied because I I knew my wife was beautiful. I I was just taken by her. And um, we used to have to say every night, good night, I'll see you tomorrow. And at Oklahoma Baptist University, trust me, they didn't let a guy anywhere near the girls' dorms. And I want you to know, it was really, really uh, not a co-ed dorm. So they barely let us in the lobby, right? So it was in the lobby. Every night I would say, good night, see you tomorrow. And I proposed to her, and she said yes. Amazingly, she said yes. And so we set a date a year after I'd proposed. Folks, that's a long time once you know that's the person. (laughs) That was the longest year of my life, the longest year, waiting to get married on June 10th, 1978. And as we waited, every night I would say goodbye to her, and we would talk, and we would say, you know, it will be great someday that we don't have to say goodnight anymore. We don't have to say goodbye. I can just say, come home with me, right? So we got married on June 10th, 1978, got in the car, and I knew, I knew that that night she was going to come home with me and that was a really, really special night simply because we wouldn't have to say goodbye anymore. The reality is that kind of intimacy that God calls us to is that closeness that says you never have to be separated from me. One day, I'll bring you home to be with me forever and ever and ever. Can you imagine the God of the universe loving you that much, have forgiven you that, that completely, have erased the past so thoroughly He says, I want you with me forever and ever in eternity. You need to walk with him now, but there will be a day when you can walk with him in eternity. And to walk with him now means that you walk with God, not ahead of him, not without him, not away from him, but together with him. You know, I've got to tell you as I close this message today, that in spite of all the good things that we see about the life of being it, God has provided something even better for us today. Did you know that? Something even better it is. Because God has personally and visibly come in the person of Christ. But I mean, that's who Christ is. He's God in the flesh. And he fully revealed God. He fully explained God for us. And Jesus walked with his disciples for three years. And then he walked to the cross where he died on the cross to pay for the sins of mankind. And when he did that, he paid for your sin and my sin so that the barrier could be removed and we could have a relationship with God. We could be forgiven by God and we could walk with God. Three days after he was buried, he walked out of the tomb. And as he walked out of the tomb, he overcame death so that we could be together forever and ever and ever. And then the Holy Spirit was given at Pentecost and He came into the lives of all true believers where He continues to walk this day in our lives. Walk by the Spirit, the Bible says. Walk in the power of the Holy Spirit of God. He's given you something better today, but you must want to walk with Him, and He will walk with you. You must want this. How's your walk with God today? Have you walked ahead of Him? Have you walked without Him? Refusing to look or to listen. Have you walked away from Him? Will you walk with Him? Will you come to Him? He calls you today to come to Him, to walk with Him. Would you bow your head for just a moment? As you bow your head, as you close your eyes, In just a moment, I'm going to have you stand. And we're going to give an invitation this morning. We're going to sing an invitation song. We're going to invite you to respond today. Our counselors are coming to the front right now. And they're here today to talk to you. They're here today to answer your questions. They're here today to pray pray with you. And let me just say to you today, in these next few moments, very, very important moments of decision, if you've walked away from God, why don't you walk back to God? He stands here waiting, ready. If you're walking ahead of God, why don't you slow down and say, God, I'm coming back. I'm not moving until you tell me that I'm supposed to move. If you're walking without God, you're you're ignoring God in some way. You're not listening to God. Would you come today and say, I want you to pray with me that I will hear God, that I will know God's ways and his will for my life. And maybe today you've never, ever started a relationship with God. And today, you know, you want that. And the Bible promises, you shall find him when you seek him with all of your heart. And maybe that's where you are today. Would you stand with me before I pray? And this is not a dismissal prayer. This is an invitation prayer. We're going to sing together. And i want to invite you to come forward. And then at the conclusion of our invitation, there's a couple of things I want to say about, about next week and the week ahead. Very important words. Father, in Jesus' name, as we listen to this invitation you give to every one of us to walk with you, I pray that you will speak to our hearts. And Lord, to the one that needs to hear to come back, help them to hear the call. To the one who needs to hear to come to you for the first time, Lord, draw them. To the one that's struggling in some way and needs prayer, draw them today. Father, over these next few moments, as we sing, help us to make decisions to respond to your life. In Jesus' name, amen.